I normally preach, preach on Wednesday. And Brenton, how do you do this? In the Wednesday service, the people are always sitting here. They're all sitting here. Oh, right. They're spread out, yeah. It's cool. You, you have to tell me how you do this. Yeah, um, I'm preaching the second time in English in my whole life. So I need God's grace. The topic is God's grace, and I need God's grace. So I will pray when I start, before I start, and hope that God will be gracious to me and to us. And if you have anything to add uh, to my English, you can do it later. Yeah, I had the privilege to preach in English and this year in Italy uh, during my holidays in a, in a Pentecostal church at the Lago Maggiore. It was very nice. And I did not imagine that I would preach in English in Germany. <laughs> But this is the first time for me to do it. So I will pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here, to see this service. I'm very honored and blessed to be here, to see all the new people also visiting our church. And as a whole, we are a family. We are a family as, as Calvary Chapel, Church at Five, Wednesday service, Sunday services. And I also pray that many people from this service may come to the Herbstfest. And um, yeah, just um, pray that you would um, let us grow together as a family, um, as a whole church, that, that we would be, um, that you would uh, give your grace that we would know each other in a better way and get close to each other. Yeah. And I pray for this message tonight, when we speak about your grace, that it would be touching again to us as Christians, even though we heard the word grace so much. In Jesus' name, we pray together. Amen. So what happened so far? Um, Sam, Samuel Garrett, the lead pastor of this church, he preached about uh, sola scriptura, only the scriptures that are the basis and the foundation or the measure for the church. And he also preached about sola fide, only faith or only through faith. We are justified um, and righteous before God through Christ. And on this Tuesday, we had an um, adversary, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation Day. And we looked um, at the topic, why is it still important today for us as Christians? What, what does, does the Reformation um, matter to us as Christians? And we looked into the future, um, and we saw um, or looked at the topic that we as Christians, we always need to be reformed and um, made right with God. And also the whole church needs to be reformed again and again as a church. And some month ago, there was a family in the Sunday service who gave a testimony about um, the Reformation. They were originally there from Hong Kong, and they were here for, let's say, one year, I guess. And they gave a testimony about our heritage that we have here in Germany, about the Reformation. And he told us that probably their church in Hong Kong would not be there when this 500 years ago did not happen here in Germany. So, and I think we as Protestants, independent churches, we can learn a lot from this and appreciate our spiritual heritage we have uh, here in Germany. And today the topic is through grace alone, sola gratia, only through grace And as Sam already told you, maybe, 
um, Luther's life question was the following one. How do I get a gracious God? How do I get a gracious God? And he does not mean it in this sense. I create my own God as I like him best, like in a postmodern sense, even though in reality God presents himself as ungracious. It's obvious we, we cannot create God or the Bible to be simply gracious only because we wish it. So he, doesn't, he does not mean it in that way. He does mean it in a different way. Luther know, uh, did, did know that um, he would be, uh, someday he would stand before the righteous God, the holy God, and uh, would be declared guilty. So the question is more to understand in this way, how can I satisfy God? How can I make God to be merciful to me as a sinner that I am? How do I avoid his just punishment? That was Luther's life question. And of course he did find the answer in the scripture. Through the scripture, Luther came to the realization that God is gracious to Christians only on the basis of his sovereign grace through Jesus Christ due to to the belief, which is why God alone belongs the glory. So you have all the five solas there. So why grace alone? Why grace alone? And I think the best way to understand that in the principle, or is, is the principle sola scriptura, to look into the Bible. And we have um, one text that I would like to read tonight. And that is Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10. And I, I, I don't normally do this, but I did this also uh, tomorrow um, uh, in the morning services today. I invite you to stand up for the reading of the word of God. And the topic is made alive in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in his mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the imparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which, is God, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. You dürft euch gerne gerne widersetzen. You may be seated. So what is Paul telling us in the first three verses of this um, part in Ephesians 2? 
Why grace alone? And I think it's important for us to understand the importance what Paul is emphasizing in the first three verses. Paul explains us what we are without Christ. Without Christ, we are spiritually dead in our transgressions and trespasses and our sins. And we are under the power of the world, under the power of the devil. We were enslaved to our fallen nature, to our flesh. And that is the reason, he tells us at the end of verse 3, which is why we stood under God's wrath. And we don't normally like to talk about God's wrath, but he's telling us here we were children of wrath. We, we all like the verse in John 3, verse 16, and so God loved the world. But the verse 36 is also very important, where it says that, that we are under God's wrath if we don't believe in what Jesus um, has done. So that's very important for us to know. So without Christ, a person is spiritually dead, enslaved, and lost. And he remains under God's right judgment. And if you are here today, tonight, to think that church is, um, or that at church, the most important thing is to think good about yourself or to, or to receive maybe some tips for a better life, then you're missing the goal of the gospel and you're missing um, the message of the gospel. If you really want to understand what grace means, sola gratia, we need to understand um, how it really is with us or was with us without Christ. And Paul tells us in the, in the first verse, we were dead. Dead. I never saw someone raising from the dead because he tried hard to raise himself from the dead. Dead is dead. And that is the same way spiritually for every human being who does not have a connection to Christ Jesus. And so were we when we did not believe. We cannot save ourselves. That is what Paul wants to say. Without Christ, we are sinners and spiritually dead. And the wages of sin is what? Death. In Luther's days, the people were aware of this fact that they are sinners. But in our days, we need, to people, we need to tell the people again and again who they really are before a righteous and holy God. Because the most people think they are pretty good before God. But they don't, tells us the scriptures. And let's be honest. Let's be, let's be honest. The whole grace thing, when we talk about grace as Christians, the longer we are Christians... It gets more difficult for us because we think, actually, God and I, are, we are a good team. God really made a good catch with me. I'm pretty good. And I, I want to remind us and let us remind us, uh, be reminded by Paul 
I want to remind us all of this one thing. We are not better than the people who do not believe in Jesus Christ that are outside of this building or outside of this church. We were dead like them. We're dead. We need to make ourselves aware of the fact who we actually are before a righteous God to understand the message of the grace of God again in a deeper way. So that's why we need a gracious Savior. That's why we were, we, why we need a gracious Savior because we were dead. But there's hope when you look to verse 4. And there are um, three words in the Greek when you read this text in the Greek, and, and, this, and those words are ho de theos. In, in English, it's but God. But God. Because we are dead, is, and when we are without Christ, God has to act. Because we are dead, we need God. We need to be born of God. That is what Jesus tells us in John 3. We need to be born of God, of the Holy Spirit. And spiritual life does not uh, come from ourselves. It is not in you. It is not in us. God needs to make us alive together with Christ. That's what he tells us. And that, was, that is what Paul tells us in verses 5 to th- 6. It is God's initiative on the basis of his grace. God's grace comes from the outside to us as a human being. There is nothing in you or in me, nothing that we could do to make God to be gracious to us as human beings. Nothing. But God, very important words, but God intervenes and acts. But how? Through Jesus. Always the right answer when you're a Christian. Jesus. Full stop. Jesus. Four times in verses 4 to 7. God's grace gets active through the sending of his son into this world. Through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. And salvation grace is anchored in one person. And that's Jesus. And through him grace comes to us as human beings. And at this point, I want to say some, something about the Roman Catholic belief. And let me say first, I don't want to bash other Christians, churches, or denominations, but this is very important stuff that we are talking about here. I'm convinced that the solas are talking about the gospel, so our center of our faith. So it's important to make differences. Yeah, We're talking about the gospel of Jesus revealed in Scripture, so it's important. And Jan Hus, for example, and um, his student, Jerome of Prague, and others were literally um, burned alive for the truth of the gospel 600 or 500 years ago. So it's important, and it was important for Luther too. There are still theological differences between, uh, between Protestants and Catholics, even though there are many Catholic brothers and sisters that believe in Christ as we do, And there are also Orthodox Christians that also believe in Jesus like we do. 
There is an invisible church, the body of Christ, with many brothers and sisters also from the Roman Catholic Church. So, that said, I want to say, in the Roman Catholic Church, Mary, the mother of God, is a mediator between a mediator of grace between Christ and the people. Mary mediates Christ's grace. She does not mediate grace, but Christ's grace. And of course, First Timothy, um, second chapter, verse five says there, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. And in the Roman Catholic belief, Mary was sinless, sent to heaven. And it apparently is good and right to pray to her, same as to all other saints who could, uh, who could all put in a good word for Jesus on our behalf. And I think there's a good thought behind it because it's born maybe out of respect for the person of Jesus. And I also have to say and to add, saving grace is not from the understanding of the Roman Catholic Church to be found exclusively from or in the Roman Catholic Church, but rather tied to a person, Jesus Christ, when we believe in him. And the good news that the Reformers found again was grace, forgiveness of sins, justification before God is possible outside of this Roman Catholic Empire because it is exclusively, exclusively bound to Jesus Christ and his work alone and not bound to a church in this sense. It's bound, you can say it's bound to the invisible church, but it's bound to a person, and that is Christ Jesus. We cannot mediate, as human beings, um, God's grace. It's only Jesus Christ and his work. And to receive grace from God, we don't, we don't need to turn to saints or to Mary or to an authorized priest from the right church, the one and only church, but rather we need to turn to Jesus Christ and Christ alone. That, that is the topic next week, Christ alone. Alexander Röhm, also one of the elders of this church, will teach about this. So, very important, the last three verses of Ephesians 2. We receive God's grace because of our belief in Jesus. How do we receive God's grace It is a present due to the belief in a person who imparts it. It's Jesus. And, and the good thing is no one is excluded from this grace because it is not defined by our performance, what we do as human beings. It is not defined by our doings, but in what God did for us, for you and me, through Christ Jesus. And it's so refreshing and so good to hear this again. That's the message of the gospel even though you, maybe you heard it a thousand times. And my prayer is that you may be touched again by the Holy Spirit about this grace that is um, visible in this person, Jesus. Your deliverance is God's present. It's God's present because of grace. All, you can also read about this in Romans 3 if you like to. And according to Paul, and also Luther and other reformers, we receive God's righteousness through grace alone. We cannot contribute to our own salvation. I want to read to, to you again some parts of verses 8 and 9. 
Verse 8, it is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. We cannot contribute to our own salvation. The Roman Catholic Church also talks a lot about grace. That's for sure. But not only of grace alone. I have to say here, it's scripture and tradition. And the Pope, not sola scriptura. It is faith and your affiliation to the one and only church. It is Christ and Mary and saints. It is grace and your contribution, maybe the seven sacraments, some indulgence, not sola gratia, not grace alone, not through grace alone. So what does this maybe mean for our own life or for our church life? What does it maybe mean for you? I think we need to be aware of grace and Christ and also in our own lives. Where do we build unnecessary obstacles for non-Christians to come into our church? Yeah, firstly, you have to stop smoking, for example. Smoking is not good. Don't misunderstand me in this way. But every human being, and that we also see in the New Testament when Jesus um, ministers to people who are sinners, he accepts them as they are. And then, through his love, changes us or them. The difference, according to the Catholic understanding, lies within the fact how to receive grace. Sacraments, the seven sacraments, convey, according to the Catholic understanding, grace and are therefore necessary for salvation. You always need to acquire grace over and over again. And that is a big point, which is why you cannot have a true assurance of your salvation. Because it's not grace alone. You cooperate with God's grace. And the good news is that the reformers found again, when it is grace alone, according to Paul, like he said in Ephesians 2, then we can have certainty about our salvation. It doesn't depend on you or on me or on us or something else or another person. Of course, Jesus. We can be certain that we have eternal life today. Tonight, if you don't sure that you have eternal life. And according to Calvin, God's grace has three effects for us as, for us as Christians. I'm not a Calvinist, but I'm totally... Um, on line with, uh, I'm totally with him here. Um, Calvin has three points. He says, the first thing of God's grace alone is assurance. What I said, already said. Salvation is God's present in Jesus, received in our belief, and does not depend on you and your performance, but on Christ and his grace alone. You can have assurance of eternal life. That is good news. That is really good news. You can tell this everyone, because um, um, me- the most religions are works-based to get right with God. We don't believe this as Christians. Second, second point from Calvin, we can have thankfulness. No one can be conceded before God when it is a present and doesn't depend on our actions. 
And that is why the great apostle, let me say the great apostle, Paul said, by, great, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I, I personally have a high view of, of Paul. And he also says to the Corinthian church, what do you have that you do not or did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Everything we own and have as Christians and as human beings is from God. Everything in the end. That you sit here and breathe. That you can breathe the air you breathe right now. It's because of God's grace. Common grace also to non-Christians. We know everything in our lives is God's grace. We are protected to become pride, prideful and self-righteous. But because God still forgives us graciously through Jesus, we don't need to chasten us oneself or travel to Rome to receive indulgence. We neither need to grieve nor despair. And maybe you are here today and you don't feel worthy, worthy of God's grace. And I would say to you, yes and amen. That's right, that you don't feel worthy. Because Paul tells us all human beings are not worthy. But we will be justified without any earnings through his grace because of salvation in Jesus Christ. God's grace protects us from pride and despair. And I want to give you a quote here from a famous Catholic believer that I admire, and that is Blaise Pascal. I don't have the English translation here of of his saying, but I will try to translate it to you. In German it's, Jesus Christus ist ein Gott, dem man sich nährt, ohne stolz zu werden, und vor dem man sich erniedrigt, ohne zu verzweifeln. Let me try it in English. Jesus Christ is a God to whom you draw close to without becoming pride, and to whom you humble yourself without despair. Without, um, without despair? Is it right? Maybe? Yeah, people, they can speak better English, so... Okay. Maybe it was okay. And the third thing that Calvin teaches us about God's grace alone is gratitude. Gratitude. Because God is gracious, we can come before God full of gratitude, joy, and freedom. Because everything depends on God's grace. And this should result in true worship. Soli Deo Gloria. Because we know all and everything belongs to his grace and his grace alone. And let me say this, the grace of God pulls us closer to God, to whom we owe everything. The grace of God pulls us into a closer relationship with God himself. Because we know, we know everything, and we owe everything to him. And this is what we want to do with the last song, and I hope you can do this with this last song. We will sing in some minutes. But before that, I want to look with you at verse 10 again. Maybe, maybe some of you think grace is something that is like, I don't know how to say it in English, it's a carte blanche. Man. Like ein Freibrief in German? 
okay, we shouldn't take God's grace for granted. Yeah? Maybe you think you could, but that's not good. So, if God is gracious, then I don't have to do anything anymore. It doesn't matter how I live my life. It's all grace. And Paul wants us not to do this. Let me read to you again verse 10 of Ephesians 2. What does Paul say there? For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do, to do, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. In Christ, as Christians, we are created in him to do what is good and right. And that is maybe a good thought behind the indulgence of the Roman Catholic Church. Don't underestimate God's grace. Don't underestimate God's grace. That also, Paul teaches this, James, John, Judas, just for example. Let me come back to Blaise Pascal, a Roman Catholic, or let me say a, a Jansenist, Jansenist, was a, um, a, reform, um, a reformed way of the um, Catholic or Roman Catholic faith in the 18th uh, century. So they also told, told um, uh, um, their followers that it is by grace alone. And they um, were similar to what the reformers teached. It was very similar. So um, Blaise Pascal tells us, and I hope you can listen, the law obligates us to what has not been existing. Grace gives us what it obliges. Is it rightly said? Obliges? Obliges. Grace gives us what it obliges. So with other words, what does he want to tell us here? Through grace, we are qualified, or qualified to a life that is different. God's law tells us what to do, but it does not give the power to do the right thing. That is what Romans teaches us. Teaches us. In, a, in comparison to that, God's grace empowers us to correlate to God's standard, standard in our actions. Of course, never completely without sin. So God, God's grace uh, doesn't say to you, you are fine the way you are. God does not say this, but rather this. I love you the way you are and you are accepted unconditionally, but I love you even more. And I don't want you to be like you are right now. I want to change you through my love and through grace. And I want to make a little side note here. Maybe you know the, in German it's Jahreslosung, the Bible verse of the year. Um, it's in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, and there the prophet says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That is the Jahreslosung, and then it goes on. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That is what the rebirth does in what, uh, what Jesus tells us in John 3. When, when the Holy Spirit lives in us, he transforms us day by day. That is what God does through a new heart, through a new spirit in us. So let me be clear in, in the end. 
What does this mean for us? This does mean God works. The right actions that we do are a result of our salvation and not the other way around. Good works are a result of salvation and not the other way around. And also God's grace, that is what we see in verse 10 too, God's grace isn't a single event, but it takes us from the beginning to the end in all we are, have and do. All your performance as a Christian, all your works, that is what verse 10 says us, uh, t- tells us, are in the end God's work that he prepared. And our good behavior doesn't contribute anything to our salvation. He prepared the good works that we are living in as Christians so we cannot boast about them. It's by grace and grace alone. So what is grace? What is grace alone? It is God's undeserved work towards us as people as hopeless as we are as lost sinners. It is undeserved. It is undeserved. And I want to close here with prayer. And I invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you um, for your grace. And that it is by grace that I have been saved. I know that there is nothing in me that can contribute to your, to your work that you have done, Jesus. And I, want, I, I can say with John Newton that, that I'm very thank, thankful uh, that you saved a wretch like me. What a grace is it. I, I cannot comprehend it, Jesus. Thank you that you know me and still love me. And Holy Spirit, I pray also for everyone in this room to show us who we really are before a holy, righteous God. That we continuously need Jesus and his grace. And I also pray that you convict us and show us what we are before you. I also pray that you help us to accept your grace. And the only thing we need to do to accept your grace is to confess to you that we need you. That we need you and your grace. And I also pray for everyone who is here in this room who feels um, the heaviness and the burden of their own sin. Um, who feels maybe unworthy. And I want to pray for you and, and speak to you. It is finished. It is done. We don't deserve it. And the punishment was laid on Jesus. We can be free. And I also pray for me as a Christian who does believe in you for some years now. I pray that I can live in the identity that you have given me through the new heart and the new spirit. That I may be, may be changed from glory to glory by, by your spirit. That my life would reflect um, your grace in everything I do and your forgiveness in everything I do. And also help us when we heard this message about your grace again and again to not underestimate your grace, Jesus.
I, I personally pray for me. I, I don't want to disrespect your, your grace and what you have done for me. It costs you a high price. It costs you your life. You suffered for us. Don't, don't let us take this lightly. And also pray for us as a church and also as, in, as individual Christians. I also pray that, that this grace that you have given to us freely, that this would be... Um, and would, would shine through in everything we do as a church and as Christians. And I also pray for the service for Church at Five, that your grace would be, um, yeah, would be seen in every person here, that we don't esteem ourselves higher than the other, that we live um, your commandment, Jesus, to love each other. And I also pray that you would um, give, give us this present through your through your Holy Spirit. Amen.